G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast on the Vision Radio Network. Remember, you can hear 2020 weekdays on Vision from 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Today, a real treat, a catch-up with one of the stalwarts of the international Christian music industry. I'm talking about Amy Grant. She's chatting with Lee Hatcher. My next guest is a woman of many firsts and much great music. She's a pioneer in many ways of contemporary Christian music. She had the first Christian album to ever go platinum, first Christian album by a solo artist to be certified gold one of the first contemporary Christian music artists to make it into the mainstream charts, the first Christian song to hit Billboard's Top 40 list and the first Christian artist to have a number one song on the Billboard 100, more than 30 million unit sales, six Grammy Awards, 25 Dove Awards, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She's the greatest contemporary Christian artist of all time. The queen of Christian pop, Amy Grant, Her goal was to be the first Christian singer-songwriter to become a successful contemporary mainstream artist. She did it under God, and she has well and truly surpassed that dream. Back with her first album in 10 years, Amy Grant joins us now. Huge welcome, Amy. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much, Lee. I have to tell you, I heard that long list of accolades, and (laughs) I thought two things. I don't think I like that woman. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Why do you say that? I don't know, overachiever. And the second thing I thought was, I spent the entire day cooking and visiting with an old friend who is like my little brother who came to town. I I think we talked for four hours and cooking, because a friend of mine's dad passed away last night, and I'm a big believer that you cook your care into food. And so I just thought, you know, it makes a person's life sound odd to say a list of accolades when everybody sort of wakes up the same way on a day yes it's a great um, point to make and yeah and one that's very grounding for you i suspect after all that undoubted success you know the one thing about making your life in music and being a performer is not a lot changes i mean the size audience might grow or shrink but it's not a job you can delegate you write songs get up on stage and sing the songs and then go home. (laughs) Yes, but you've got to put yourself out there to an extent that the average person can never probably really understand. It's only you who can do it. I guess there's something in any performer that compels them toward a stage. Maybe part of it is a kind of high risk factor. For me, it's always been the belief that music is such a great connector. You know, it connects us to each other and to what we think or what we believe or how we feel, and that never gets old for me, no. ever. I think I'm happier doing music at 52 than I ever was in my 20s. How would you describe that attraction, that power of the stage and music, when you started, Amy? I have to say, it's more the attraction of the music. Mm. 
I was one of those kids that, you know, I had a handful of records and I would listen to them from beginning to end. I would just lift the needle and put it back at the top of the disc and I just was mesmerized with music. And I stalked a few artists when I was a child <laughs> and made scrapbooks from the rag magazine. <laughs> I love music and I go to a lot of live performances and I love everything from the old church hymns that I learned as a kid to honestly two rooms away in our house just on the other side of the hallway from the bedroom our oldest is working on her first record fantastic and so yeah we Vince put a home studio in thankfully it was finished just a couple of months before the flood hit Nashville it was really miraculous timing because we would have lost all of our instruments but he was slowly bringing them back to the house so as a mother who, as a 15-year-old, got her first record label signing, how do you reflect on where your daughter is now and what's ahead? No one has pursued music the way I did of the children. My husband, Vince, he pursued music as young as I did, but we laugh. I was singing in churches across the country, and he was singing in bars because he loved country music. <laughs> but that same thing of this is the only thing I think I want to even know how to do. Yeah. And what do you feel for her in her future then, as she follows this track? Well, I guess the best advice her father and I have is that whatever your concept of arriving is, that that's not the most interesting part. It's every person that you meet along the way. It's the stories behind the songs that you write. It's your car breaking down on the side of the road and you barely make it in time for the gig that you're supposed to do two days from now. It's seeing the world with a suitcase in your hand, and it's all the relationships that you make. That's really what it's about. And doing something significant for others as well? Yes, always, hopefully. In this household, everybody sings about different things. But what I'm hoping is there's a, at least a framework of faith, because I write my songs. I have had a deep faith in God since I was a little girl, and I, that colors the way I see myself and the way I see the world, and I know that comes into my songs. So what I'm always hoping is that people will say, well, I'm interested in that perspective. How does it feel to view the world that way? And always hoping that somebody would be encouraged to broach a relationship with God, and everybody wants to feel known and loved. There's not a better source of that except the one who made us. In your early days, how challenging... Was it for you to remain faithful to that faith as from a youngster almost you take out a Grammy Award to Dove Awards? It became quite a dizzying life for you, didn't it? It was certainly exciting, that's for sure. I've made some good choices and some really bad choices in the context of living life. There's a lesson in everything. Just as far as being faithful, I would say that it's always God who's faithful and all of us humans on each unique journey... Our pendulum swings between <laughs> being joyfully on our knees and wanting God's will for our life and then getting completely distracted and wandering. And I don't know if anybody, I mean, that's, it feels like that's what my life is like. It's just the pendulum that swings wide and far. <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone, <laughs> but lots of people outside music as well. I mean, to me, the best news of getting older is you've just learned so many good lessons the hard way. I feel more apt to not be so curious about things that might be harmful. Is there a best lesson that you've ever learned? Oh, my goodness. Um, we were talking about faith and our relationship with God. 
that everybody that you meet is somewhere in their journey of life and somewhere in their journey of faith. So much can happen to a person in 15 minutes. And so whenever I meet someone, whether they're warm and embracing or angry and vindictive, whatever they are, high as a kite or carrying their Bible, I am reminded they are somewhere in their journey of life. And like everyone else who has ever breathed, God is in pursuit of them. They're just somewhere in their journey. I can make an observation about someone, but it should never be a permanent judgment because people change every day. You're listening to the 2020 podcast on the Vision Radio Network. Returning now to Lee Hatch's conversation with one of the stalwarts of the Christian music industry, Amy Grant, with more than 30 million unit sales, six Grammy Awards, 25 Dove Awards, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Amy is the queen of Christian pop. We pick up the conversation as Lee discusses the way her faith is an important part of her music and what to expect from her first album in 10 years. In your journey through music, God was very much at the centre of your life, though you didn't confine yourself to just contemporary Christian music. You went mainstream as well. Right. Well, I love music of all kinds. I mean, I grew up on Carole King and James Taylor, and I loved Stevie Wonder from the time I was 10 years old. And then, of course, the bands that were really big when I was a kid, like the Jackson 5 and the Beatles... When I first started singing contemporary music with faith lyrics, it's just because I couldn't find any. In fact, the first group I ever sang to were my school friends, because I was going to this really amazing church, and I felt like it was changing the way I felt about life. It was changing the way I felt about myself, you know, my understanding of the huge, epic story of God's involvement in man and the whole redemption story, and that every one of us is a little tiny piece of that story. It gives a much greater significance to all of our lives because it's not just our individual story, but how we fit into God's eternal plan with his creation. That was so thrilling to me. I went to a girls' prep school. There was no Bible taught there, and, you know, I thought, well, this is, how can I whet people's appetites to want to have conversations about this? And so I started writing songs. How did you continue to have your faith nurtured through the inevitable highs and lows of a music career and a very successful and high-profile career? I would have to say my family. Um, I've always lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I've got three sisters, and until a couple of years ago, my parents were both alive and very vibrant. I was involved in a really exciting artistic church community, that's just a very grounding, stable environment. Last night, our youngest is 12, and I was in her bedroom, and the producer that produced this record I just finished, the first one in 10 years, we had an album release party last night, and he came up to me and said, someone's waiting for me, and I'll call you later. And what he didn't tell me is that his father was dying, and he had told his dad, I need to go to this event don't leave without me. And he had gone back, and I just was, ugh, you know, there's all this kind of hoopla around these new songs and everything, and Precious Marshall was saying goodbye to his dad. He never mentioned it. And so we didn't talk until last night, 
and it happened to be the exact same day, two years later, that my mom had died. I just remember the anguish of losing that first time you lose a parent. And I had just sent a message on my phone to my oldest sister, and I said, I need a good hard cry. And she just texted back, dump it at the cross. I thought, I'm just so grateful for my sisters. And another phone call, a good friend of mine that sings with my husband is battling cancer, and the battle's not going very well. So I had those two conversations. And I thought, I'm so glad for my sister. You know, I was kind of fighting it. I just kind of wanted to just be in some anguish for a little while. I don't know why. Just was leaning into feeling tied up in a knot. And I finally thought, okay, I'm going to listen to my big sister. (laughs) (laughs) And I just started pouring my heart out. And it's crazy. When you pray, it doesn't make any sense to the human mind. But when you open it up and just start spilling it out to the one who made you, peace comes in. And it's just like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? going to be okay. You can't explain to somebody who's never prayed how bizarre that is. And if I had never experienced it, I would think it was weird too. But it absolutely is, I think, one of the reasons that we return to prayer is, I mean, sometimes it might feel like you're talking to the ceiling, but many times you feel the absolute presence of peace that you don't find anywhere else. I'm sure it represents a most balanced life. As I hear you speaking, I think Here is a good work-life balance. 30 years in the music industry. You've just finished this first album in 10 years. What's the inspiration for this new album, Amy? Well, lots of life has happened since the last record. I've dedicated the recording to my mother, the memory of my mother. She passed away two years ago. One of our last conversations, I'm sure I was inspired by this the whole time I was working on the record, she had a kind of dementia that would come and go. It happens a lot of times with people as they get older. And I had dropped by the assisted living apartment where my mom and dad were. We visited for a while, and I said, I've got to go pack my bag and get on the tour bus. I'm singing tomorrow night in Detroit or wherever I was going to be. And she looked at me with a big smile and said, oh, you sing? <laughs> yes, ma'am, I sing. And, you know, of course, I sang the very first song I ever wrote for my mother. Wow. And she said, oh, well, like, what kind of songs do you sing? And I told her songs about life and songs about faith. And she said, well, why don't you sing something for me right now? And I swallowed this gigantic lump in my throat, and I I chose an old church hymn that I knew she loved. And about halfway through, I said, do you recognize this? And she said, no, but it's great. Keep going. (laughs) Anyway, I I finished that, and I did have to leave. I gave her a kiss on the top of the head, and I was walking out the door, and she said, Would you do me a favor? And I said, Yes, what? And she said, When you walk out on that stage, sing something that matters. I was so taken. I I said, Yes, I will. I'll do that. And, And I think that has just been whispered in the back of my head the whole time I was working on this record. And that was amazing inspiration. All success to you in it. How's it feel to be back on the horse of a new album then after 10 years? It's very exciting. I love writing songs. I love telling stories through music. And I really enjoyed working with Marshall Altman, the producer that I've worked with for the last basically a year doing this record. We just shared a really similar view of creativity. And it was like talking to somebody that spoke my 
particular quirky dialect of creativity. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, one of the many dynamics in your very successful career is that you also have a large following from the gay community. How do you explain how that's happened? I had an interview with a gentleman that was, I can't remember the name of the magazine, but it seemed like every question that he asked me in some way was a different version of, do you accept me? And I told him that about halfway through the interview. I said, I've never done an interview quite like this. You're saying that's the cry of the human heart is, am I acceptable? Do you love me? I know that the love of God welcomes all, all of us. And I, I guess maybe it's just been that welcoming spirit that has made, I mean, I, I, plus it seems like a lot of times the gay community just tends to maybe be attracted to female artists. I mean, that's pretty historic, but I'm really glad. I had a, a whole group of people, like 500 people. We have a barn and we'd set up a sound system and did music and one weekend last summer and I was talking to everybody before they left and I said, you know, we're all in our own way a bit of a mess, but how changed would the world be if each of us went back to our own community and shared the love of Jesus? And primarily, he was concerned with the disenfranchised. And I don't know how you read your Bible. My Bible, Jesus says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. I try to be responsible and sharing about the love of Jesus. It's kind of reflective of the title of your album, How Mercy Looks From Here. Mm. Well, I'd love for you to take us out with one particular track of your choice from this album, How Mercy Looks From Here. What would you choose, Amy? I would pick the song, Don't Try So Hard. Yeah. It was a thrill of a lifetime to get to record with James Taylor. He's singing the background part. I bet. And his voice just sounds like home to me. I've, yes. I've always loved his music. The message I have to sing to myself all the time. Yeah. Well, let's have a listen with James Taylor, and his voice is still as good as ever. Don't try so hard from the album How Mercy Looks From Here. Amy Grant... I've been so pleased to speak with you. Thank you so much indeed. It's been a great honour. Oh, thank you, Lee. Well, I hope I get make it back to Sydney sometime. Sooner the better. <laughs> okay. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.